Welcome to Programmatic Digest Podcast, live from Cannes. I'm Manuela Cortez, your temporary host for this special episode. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Programmatic Digest Podcast, today with another live episode from Cannes Lyons. Today we have invited Pablo Galeana, VP of Beverages from Teats. Pablo, welcome. Welcome, thank you. Welcome to our humble venue. Well, I know like this is a podcast and it's only audio, but I wish you could be here in this amazing yacht slash boat from Teat. So this is to show you a bit of what Cannes is and also to introduce the audience to what Teat is doing at the moment. So before we begin, if you can give me a bit of a background of how you got to the industry, what's your current job, what's the scope of your job? So great. Thank you very much. Uh, I am Global VP Sales in the beverage industry and I manage uh, the relationships with uh, global beverage advertisers such as Heineken, Diageo, Pernod Ricard and uh, I've been in the industry for the past 13 years. First I worked uh, in Google in Spain, then I had my own company, uh, Digital Transformation. I moved into Microsoft and finally five and a half years ago I started in Teats. First in a role in Spain and now in a global role for the past four and a half years. Okay, so that's a really interesting background. I think you have a lot to bring to the table, so I'm excited for this episode today. So first, I wanted to dive in into like what's the position, like what's going on with Teats right now. Uh, are there any new launches or features that you guys uh, announce at the moment? Because for Anyone that has worked in programmatic, Teach is a reference in terms of video and has been uh, for the past seven years, 10, yeah. So it, I would like to know like what's going on, how you guys have been able to continue as one of the, uh, one of the reference for videos in terms of the publishers. So uh, what is happening from our side, I'm just gonna give you a very short update. You know, the, the industry has gone through some turmoil uh, in the past you know, 12 months. And uh, we've seen you know, some companies lay off massive amounts of people. At Teach, we've been fortunate enough not to have this problem because, you know, the business is doing pretty well. So uh, in the past few months, which is going to happen at Google, so at Teach, we've been doing great from that perspective. We're very focused on uh, what we do well, which is delivering the basics really right for the customer. And that has been rewarded by uh, top advertisers who have signed up to 12 new joint business partnership agreements at the global level. So we now have 42 agreements uh, within the top 100 advertisers in the world. So really a testament to the work, the work we're doing. On, on a different uh, area, which is product innovation, we continue working really hard on our Eats Ad Manager platform that now delivers uh, nearly three out of every four dollars that we uh, activate uh, on behalf of customers, which is incredible if you, if you think about the dominance of third-party DSPs that we've been able to do that. The third topic is we've doubled down on attention, which is one of the new currencies that we see the market uh, working on. And we've uh, integrated 
Lumen attention metrics into TeetSat Manager by default. So now any advertiser can measure within our platform on top of the traditional KPIs on reliability, view-through, etc. They can measure the attention of the campaigns and each of the formats. We have also expanded our connected TV offer to provide an omni-channel experience accessible from Pizza Manager. And finally, we are working very uh, closely with the industry on an advertising responsibility solution that incorporates a lot of sustainability uh, enhancements, starting with the fact that we've partnered up with Scope 3 and with Impact Plus to ensure that we measure the carbon emissions of every single campaign that we're delivering so that then we can optimize uh, for, for this. And of course, the other areas like retail media, uh, our cookie-less solution, which are being enhanced. So a lot of activity, which I would bucket under four things that we do really well be, beyond having a great value proposition, which is creative excellence, media solutions, data, and measurement, which are like the four key pillars to go from selling impressions to delivering outcomes. Absolutely. And you okay. So you're giving us so much material to cut in just because there these are the things that most of the industry is talking about. So one of the points that I wanted to start uh, talking about and getting more in depth is, is about your managing platform. So I, I learned about when I was in the buying side, I actually had the opportunity to be uh, testing the DSP in Latin America when it was first launched some years ago. And it's, it's amazing how most of the big agencies now has incorporated this DSP, even though there are 100 DSPs and there's a complete resistance of using more DSPs. So this is a great accomplishment for Teach and it, it has shown how the product truly is super innovator and it, it has incorporated lots of things um, in order for media buyers across the globe to start using it. Have you seen a tendency of a resistance, a first resistance of, of the industry to using it? And what do you think would be the key factors of this success? Well, I think that in the end, what people are trying to accomplish is to deliver more efficiently and effectively the campaigns on behalf of our customers. So when you have a platform that delivers up to 25% better cost and can deliver up to 25% better metrics, you start thinking like, I should at least give it a try. So that's where everything starts. And then when you're running face-to-face -face or head-to-head -head comparisons with our third-party DSPs, you start to realize that, you know, Pizza Manager is able to deliver much better on, on those metrics. The reason for this is simple. Uh, because of our first party uh, data that we get from publishers, which is very unique because we have, you know, really long-standing agreement with them, it enables us to have lots of behavioral data to try to predict if any person is going to deliver on the objectives of the advertisers. And just to give you an example that is close to my heart, when I was in, working at Microsoft, I asked the guys, why is Bing such a lousy browser compared to Google. Can't you hire great engineers? And I said, no, all our engineers are hired from Google. The main difference is that our data sets are 10 times lower in, the, in volume than the ones that Google has. Therefore, that makes it all the easier for them to train and predict with their algorithms, you know, what a search is going to be like. 
and therefore they're better able to respond you know in speed the same happens with us we have probably 10 times more data than any DSP and as a result we are able to deliver better in terms of cost and better to deliver better in terms of media KPIs. That's an excellent story and also an excellent way to show how uh, it's extremely important to not have only have the technology but absolutely know how to use the data and talking about data can you please tell me a bit more at what is the cookie solution that currently TEATS is developing? Because we have ID5 going on, we have uh, Unified ID 2.0, so there are, uh, there's a lot going on. I think no one has clearly set up a thing, but I think like most of the companies are going towards that uh, cookie the preparation that we still don't know when it's going to happen, but... <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, you know, to your point, and, I think all the industry is launched itself in quest of the magic uh, grail or, or, the, or the silver bullet that everything will be resolved with. And I think there's no such silver bullet. So the only thing I can say is that Teats has come up with its own cookie solutions. We started working on it the moment that Apple has announced it was deprecating its own cookies back in 2017. We said, this is an, an industry trend that's going to hit everyone, even you know, Google Chrome. And it's a matter of time. So. We decided to start, you know, working on what would be those cookie signals that we could use to target campaigns, and therefore we started like kind of mapping or mirroring, you know, what the cookie-based audiences and segments could be with cookie-less audience and segments, and through that we were able to start testing extensively and also uh, ensuring uh, through accuracy that we would be on a position to deliver on the same target with the same levels of efficiency and effectiveness and so we've been doing that uh, for the past five years but very intensely during the last two and as a result we have ample proof that we can deliver at parity in media and brand kpis which is basically like saying when you're going towards cookie based with these you're not going to have a real impact relative to doing a cookie based targeting which is in the end what marketers are looking for. It's just like a reassurance that when you're using a, a certain solution, you're going to remain you know, in, a, in a good way in the same targeting and effectiveness uh, that you were, you were using cookies. And, and I would say, yeah. furthermore, it's like, I think we, someone says cookie-less, I would say cookie-free, because I think it turns a negative into a positive. And for consumers, I think it's a good news that privacy is respected in a completely different way. Yeah, I agree completely with you. And I think um, just getting away from, from, from cookies and being able to deliver ads in a way that they try to see more the behavior of the user and that they are successful in run different metrics in this way it's it's a statement of what something that's coming up but i mean it's still a lot of resistance i think uh globally a lot of dsps and ssps have done a great job trying to incorporate this trying to incorporate this into the world but um i think it's interesting that you mentioned that you guys see ahead of things or saw ahead of things and try to like see this trend that was already going on with safari back in 2017 and then trying to see that convert into the result of what you guys are doing right now 
and it's it's completely amazing and it's refreshing to see like how complex uh, are you you're seeing the industry and something that reminds me of what you mentioned before about KPIs and metrics is this attention metrics. This is something I very recently learned since I've been in the publisher side for a few years already, so I forgot about what was going on <laughs> with the DSPs. But in a previous episode, I learned about attention metrics and that it's now the talk about every campaign. So can you explain a bit, like, what would be the connection for someone who's listening right now and, and you're they're using Teach DSP or they would like to use the Teach DSP? How is beneficial to use your Cookie-less solution and helping attention metrics? Is it related or is, has nothing to do with it? Yeah, I think the most important thing in this type of industry changes is to understand what is the paradigm that has been broken. Now, viewability has been a contested metric for, but there was nothing better. And at the same time, you know, viewability was a technical metric based on the number of pixels that were on the screen of a player. And we decided arbitrarily that two seconds was the norm and 50% was kind of the way to measure the impact, which I think it was a political kind of agreement. Now, what really was uh, a problem is that no study showed the relationship between viewability and brand outcomes or viewability and sales lift or ROI. Therefore, why are we using a metric that is not working? And I think what Attention did early on is to prove its correlation with brand outcomes and with sales lift. And as a result, it's much easier to say, okay, I'm going to trust this metric because this is going to really help me anticipate and use as a proxy of performance. Okay, so... I, I would comprehend that the audience knows that we are right now live from the event, so maybe the sound is not the absolute best, but we are doing the best that we can and we are delivering one really interesting interview today with Pablo. So Pablo, you were mentioning that um, there was a change or a drift from viewability to attention metric, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, Pablo, you mentioned something that I find extremely interesting and I think it's one of my favorite topics right now in programmatic and it's the carbon emissions that are being produced by programmatic essentially. So um, we previously have a, an interesting interview with Brian O'Kelly, the founder of Scope 3. So I know that our audience, I feel like they're already really familiar with what are the effects that programmatics having currently in the, in the industry. But I didn't know that TITS was a participant of that. Could you please tell me a bit about that? Yeah, I think that the most important thing that we were uh, uh, looking into is, you know, basically we wanted to understand if, you know, we were able to identify, you know, first of all, the amount of carbon emissions we were doing per campaign and also know how every format was contributing and at the same time how our particular structure of delivery that means the supply side was generating carbon emissions and therefore we partnered with scope 3 and with uh, impact plus to measure its side one of them was more the supply uh, 
uh, element and the other was about the creative formats and how the targeting uh, in terms of Wi-Fi devices, Wi-Fi versus cell phone or the devices were contributing to this. And through that, we've been able to determine how the setup of a campaign can really uh, make us reduce big time as much as the creative optimization on that front. And therefore, I can safely say after more than 1,000 tests that we can reduce from 20 to 30% using the right levers. Amazing. And it's, and it's really great to know that not only cheat is always being trendy on what's in technology and trying to develop the best product possible, not only to the media side, but only to the publishers. It's extremely refreshing to know that companies are incorporating an issue that to me goes really close to my heart, <laughs> that it's CO2 and being a more green environment and a more green technology. But let's, let's finish here with a bit of what are the trends about TEETS. Can you tell me about your experience in the event? What are the things that's, that struck you or that interested you? And to tell you a bit, to tell a bit the audience or anyone that has never come to this event that is so daunting, so gigantic, so impressive, your experience and how it is, how was this year? So this is my fourth or fifth year coming to Cannes. And I think each year has been a bit different. First of all, because personally I was in, in different positions and, and that changes like kind of the outlook on what you come here for. Uh, the second is the range of topics that become trendy in a given year, which typically are quite consistent. So last year it was brand purpose, this year is about generative AI. And finally is the, the people that are coming and the vibe they're coming with. So last year, first pre-pandemic can was, so post-pandemic can was really awesome because everyone was in a, a high mood. This, has, this year has been a bit more nuanced. I think there are less people. Still uh, a lot of participation, uh, a lot of new players. So for example, I was today in a Boston Consulting Group presentation. I would never thought Boston Consulting was coming. NVIDIA was also here for the first time. So we're seeing uh, paramount change in the types of players, but also in the type of customers uh, and in the range of things that are happening around the festival. Now, the festival itself remains pretty much the same thing as always been as a, a festival to award and recognize the industry's best creative. But I think that more and more what happens around the Palais is gaining traction. And uh, I think that the festival has a hard time competing with, with that. Uh, let's see, you know, what uh, the future brings. But I, I start feeling that this is becoming like a circus in which, you know, you have multiple uh, kind of scenarios and stages in which you just like have to choose very selectively and curate exactly what you're looking for to really make the best out of the time you spend here. Absolutely. And I think like th these are one of the key factors of coming here because exactly there, it, there's always like two or four cans happening at the same time. And it can be as, as high up as the levels of CEOs or C-levels that you will absolutely never see. <laughs> in all private villas, private parties, private private events, it's really impressive. But then, it's also the middleman being able to 
connect and network in a way that you would possibly never do in other events. So yeah, I would say that you know, it's funny when you mention. So you get to see a lot of uh, CMOs, CEOs, you know, global figures, uh, C-level execs, and then you, that, that are breaking like in two from my side. It's one ones that are actually here uh, to share something that is valuable, and some that are you know here with the mission to be very diplomatic, uh, just share the common grounds, not give away anything that is really interesting or differentiating from their value proposition in an attempt to be there without being there. And uh, that's kind of, I mean, I'm very turned off by, by, by these appearances because I think, that they, I think that they make some of the events worthless. Uh, on the contrary, you find some amazing people from all uh, trades of life uh, bringing really new, innovative ideas with a passion that is uh, unparalleled. So, you know, you have both both sides, and it's good to be on 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 the know of who's who. And I think that the more I come, the more I know who's going to deliver something that is really very valuable, and someone that is just like there to to put a, 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 a you know a nice face, you know, in a in a panel. Absolutely, and I think like. As you mentioned, it, it is a power in getting to know what exactly you're coming from. You're going to have a, a better profit of the event. Uh, so thank you so much, Pablo, for this interview. I'm absolutely happy to have you. And hopefully we would be able to have a follow up interview at some point because there's Maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. It's so much that we also need to know about end up we would love to know about heat and all the all the different things that you're bringing to the table so well th thank you very much i really appreciate i you know wish you the best uh, in your uh, podcast adventure and i hope that next year you will be coming and really enjoying can again and we will have some uh, really exciting news to share absolutely thank you